The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. After he was baptized by John, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple and saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. To you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. I have something new up here. <laughs> Looks like it landed from Mars. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is, but we'll find out. <laughs> um I want to take a couple of moments um, before I uh, get into my homily and talk a little bit about uh, what we've been hearing about all week, and that being the coronavirus. I was uh, approached this morning, um, and as I was getting out of my car, about were we going to um, suggest that we stop passing the peace with hands or hugs, and. Um, I said, well, I'm not there yet. We haven't, you know, we haven't gotten a directive yet. Uh, but we'll have to look at that when, when and if the time comes. Um, sort of incidental to that, at the 8 o'clock service this morning, some of us were doing this, you know. <laughs> I had a guy uh, in Tacoa who's always petrified of getting the flu, and, and so for about the entire winter, only the only way he'd pass the peace was this, you know. So I, it does occur to me that there's many germs on this side of the hand as there are on that side of the hand, but, you know, whatever. Um, one of the things that'll shake you up a little bit 
in regard to something like this is when um, you get a phone call from your broker's first assistant. Now, I've never gotten a phone call from my broker voluntarily. Uh, and I've been widowed now for you know a little over four years, which means nothing has happened. And I don't remember too many phone calls that my husband got before that. And so immediately, of course, I wasn't. I got a message the day before about you know just hold steady on your stock. Don't worry about it. Everything will be okay. And so then that same statement was being made, and uh, she said uh, to me, "Well, uh, are you worried?" And <laughs> Uh, my gut reaction for the moment was, I wasn't until I got this phone call. <laughs> it's sort of like that phone call from your doctor that says, we need to see you. <laughs> um, but anyway, I proceeded to say, well, I'll tell you the truth, I'm more worried about the virus and the people that have got it than I am about the money. So I think we have a, a sort of a task before us as a Christian community. Um, we need to be in prayer for those uh, scientists who are working on uh, a remedy. I heard this morning that there are a group at Emory University that have come up with a drug that is tested positive with the, uh, I guess, mice. Uh, it's a pill that you take to get over the, the uh, canora, canora, the virus, uh, somewhat like the Flu, the flu pill that is out now, but it's different. So they're doing that, which is, a, which is good news, close to home, working with the CDC. And as we know, there are others that are working on a inoculation. We need to be in prayer for those people. We need to be in prayer for the nurses and the doctors and all the technicians uh, that are working right now across the world trying to take care of our brothers and sisters who are already sick. And I'm talking about sincere prayer, daily prayer, that God will protect them and give them the wisdom to know what to do. Because let's be honest, a lot of this is going to be being wise. What is the wise thing to do? So we know now that we already have, um, as I heard this morning, 74 cases in the States. What we're going to do within our diocese, uh, we have a group that is a preparedness ready group. They are looking at down the road and what we should do, what we should recommend. But I think at this point, what we want to do is like we've heard so many times already, keep our hands washed, you know, wash a lot, wash them a lot. I would suggest that if you don't have a Scott towel roll of paper towels in your restrooms at home, your bathrooms at home, that you get those. And even if you live by yourself, don't use a towel. Just use the Scott towels and throw them away and, and you're not passing anything along that way. Um, plenty of rest, plenty of rest. To stay as healthy as you can if you are not taking a multivitamin, uh, I have a good friend who is both a medical doctor and who looks and does a lot with homo homeopathic medicine. And she talks about being sure you're hydrated and get enough sleep. 
And the other thing is that she recommends that if you are not taking a vitamin to do so, but also to consider upping your D3 vitamin if that is something that you don't have a great deal of. What are we saying? We want to be aware. We want to be in prayer. We want to be open-minded. And we want to be together in supporting whatever we can in our community. So having said all that, I say, and you all know, I'm not a doctor. But I don't want you to think that as part of the organization of the church, that we are not aware that we have to be prepared. And we have a group, as I said, within the diocese that is looking at that, and we will be getting more information. And if we get anything that you should know about or any procedures that they're going to invite us to use, we will certainly let you know. So um, would you pray with me now, please? Holy and gracious God, we offer thanks to you for those men and women who have the minds that are able to do research, to discover problems and remedies. And we ask that you would be particularly with those who are looking for a way to protect the vulnerable from this virus. We pray for our brothers and sisters across this world who are ill, whose livelihood has been interrupted, whose children are being contained in homes where there's very little room and not much to do. For those who are vulnerable, for those who mourn those who have already died, keep us ever mindful of our need for each other and help us to remember that we are but one family under your love. Amen. Well, a few minutes on the uh, propers, the story we have. As I was driving over this morning, um, I listened to um, something called uh, Day One, and it's a um, sermon that's on the radio every week. And I was having a hard time this morning, for whatever reason, to get the, um, uh, the radio was in and out. This is the part that I heard amidst the coming. It was worse than the McDonald's, you know, thing where they tell you how much you owe and you, what was that amount? You can't read the, the drive through window. So anyway, this voice, this Presbyterian minister says, everything we've always thought about the Old Testament lesson for today is wrong. <laughs> And then she cites all these scholars. And meanwhile, I'm listening drastically to figure out what is she going to say that's all wrong about this? Have I heard this before? And just about that time, the radio goes, blah, 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 blah. So I have to tell you, who knows whether I'm saying anything right or wrong today. <laughs> you just have to trust. That's all I can say. The gospel story comes to us not in a garden, like we had in the Hebrew text. It's not along a city, not while Jesus is walking on a road. Now, this account of Jesus is in the wilderness, bone-dry wilderness, solitary, alone. Keep that word, alone. And many feel like that the reason that it's set in that space is so that it's not being lured away by other people, 
other distractions or by distractions, but this is Jesus. And some would, might argue that where the temptation is coming from is where all temptation comes from, and that's from within. And so the tempter is tempting him as from within. And one of the important things to hear in this is that when the tempter talks to Jesus, he doesn't dispute the fact that he's the Son of God. The if that we hear, it's sort of a sense. Since you are the Son of God. Since you are this powerful person, you can do what you want to do. Tell the, you're hungry? You hungry, huh? Well, you're powerful enough. You're the son of God. You can tell that stone to be turned into bread. You don't have to be hungry. Jesus knows this. Jesus knows he's the son of God. Jesus knows that the Father has given him power. But what does it mean if he uses it? What if it means that he uses it in that way to do something that is unnatural and unnecessary? It means that he's pulling away from his dependence on God the Father. He's acting independently. I don't have to go hungry. I don't have to go hungry because I can fix it. But in order to fix it, he has to turn his back on God being the provider of all that is. So here's our Lord being tempted. Are those temptations coming from outside, from the tempter, or are these the things that he's coming to him as he is in this place? How strong does our Lord have to be to get through to the cross? How strong does our Lord have to be to allow the people to nail him to the cross? How strong does he have to be to turn not away from God, but turn toward God, to trust God with even his very life? This is what this is about. It's the preparation. It's preparing him for all the temptations that will come to change the plan, to do something different from getting out of the mess that's going to come. What does it say? Since you are the Son of God, command these stores, stones to become loaves of bread. What does Jesus say back? He shows he trusts God. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh-uh. 
Uh-uh. God said, you say, tempter, God says, I'm going with God. I'm going to stay the road with God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, Since you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. Note now the tempter's quoting scripture back. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the sun. Jesus responded, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not. The tempter says, you can jump on it. You can jump. You'll be okay. You won't, you won't kill yourself. You won't die. That serpent, that serpent this morning, what was he trying to do? Tempting him. Oh, you don't need to worry about the tree of good and evil. What did God say? He said it would kill us if we ate it. Oh, don't worry about that. God just doesn't want you to, you know, to do it. Temptation. Temptation. How many times are we tempted because we want to be something we aren't? Someone we aren't. God gives us this incredible amount of talent, things we can do, and if we can, oftentimes we find that if we can do A, B, and C, what do we want? We want to be able to do D, E, and F as well. So we start looking to what we can't do. And the things we can do, we put down because they don't seem good enough or they won't make me famous enough, or whatever, or rich enough. How many times do we want to have what we don't have only because we don't have it, and somebody else does? Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. You know, you almost think the devil should have given up before that one. But no, who's going to go for it? You worship me, and, and you got it all. You got the whole schmear. And Jesus says, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The incredible part of the story in my mind is that we see, like on a tabloid, written out for us, the Son of God and the man. The man Jesus, the human Jesus, 
recognizing that there is temptation in him and being able to access God the Father, the word of God to stand between him and the temptation. So what are we supposed to know? What are we supposed to learn out of this? What can we learn out of this during this Lenten time? It's not hard. Just a little few words. We are not God. That's four words. We are not God. It's not our job to be God. We can't be. We shouldn't even try. So why do we? Why do we want what we can't have? Why aren't we happy with what God has given us? And then on the other hand, why do we so often deny the broadness of our humanity? That one line of Jesus that pops up all the time in my thinking is, you shall do greater things than I, Jesus said. You, you, you people here. You don't want to be God, be human. You're not God, but you're God's children. You're God's children. How cool is that? What more do we really want than that? Some years ago now, when my son was um, in the eighth grade, he'd been out in the yard with our little miniature um, poodle, Mr. Donut. And his friends were playing, and I may have told you all this, but Mr. Donut, there was dogs from down the road who came, and the boxer uh, when may, I, I think it was, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. A dog, a large dog, got my dog in his jaws, broke his back. My son was standing there with his friend watching it. They couldn't stop it. There was nothing they could do. It was done. We had to take the dog. We took the dog to the vet. They gave us this scenario of what they might be able to do and whether it would be helpful or not. Reality-wise, he would be paralyzed if he survived the surgery. So our family decided that that was more than we could ask of this tiny little dog. And the next day, my daughter was in college, and so my son and I went down to Marietta. And he was there with me when we euthanized the dog. And my son spoke the great words of wisdom. Mom, I don't want to be God. This is too hard. To choose life or death, even though we felt like we had made the only humane decision, was a lot to bear. God is graceful to us that we're not invited to be God. That's a blessing. Just like it's a blessing to be God's children. God needs us to be God's children 
God's got the God job taken care of. We know that. We can figure that one out pretty much, can't we? But when we are children of God, then we can exercise all this creativity. We can see what we need to see. We can touch what we need to touch. We can work on fixing what we need to fix. Oh, it's a wonderful position to be in. But so seldom do we really celebrate it. A child of God, capable, blessed, celebrate it. Working with God, all things are possible. Our trying to be God, nothing good will come out of it. So during this Lent, as we look inside ourselves, to toss on another question we might ask is this. Where and how do we want to be what we aren't? Where and how and when do we turn the back on the great gift of being a child of God and want something else? Something that we deem better at the moment. See, I don't think Lent season is a downer. I think Lent is a season of upper, up, up season. Because we get to, we are encouraged, we are invited to look at ourselves free of charge. You don't even have to pay a therapist. Just look at yourself. What can, what can God and I work on? What can me and God work on? We can have a project together through prayer and, and fasting and giving up and giving of ourselves. We can work on something together. Now, that's a gift. And if we came on Easter morning, we could come on Christmas morning too if we wanted to, I suppose. But if we came on Easter morning excited because we're claiming our being children of God, we're excited about that. Think how brilliantly loud and gorgeous those hallelujahs would be. Because we would have gone through the wilderness, that lonesome valley, and we will come out on the other side with the hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I am a child of God. Amen.